Infirmary Media. Warning, the following program features content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Bo Cephas Broadcast. Greetings, boys and girls, and welcome to episode 89 of the Bo Cephas Broadcast. Glad to be back in the basement with you for another week of shenanigans across the World Wide Web. 89 episodes, man. We are just creeping ever closer to that 100th episode, something I never thought would happen. I'm sure some regular listeners or uh, friends and family members didn't think that I had the uh, the digital stamina to make it to 100, but here we are. We're well on the way. Uh, recording this today, actually, on the one-year anniversary to the day, February 17th, that uh, inclement weather in my native Memphis, Missouri, claimed the life of my 2004 Buick LeSabre in what was, looking back, thinking about it, a hell of a brutal ride, really. Essentially veered off the side of a bridge and down into a culvert. And uh, mm, what a day that was. What a day that was. And it's, like I said, a whole year later now to the day. That seems really unbelievable that an entire year has passed. And even more surprising is that I typically feel about 95% most days, despite breaking uh, two lower vertebrae. I feel like I've recovered pretty well. Now, it's kind of a pain to lift uh, the, the lid on the dog's food box in the mornings, which is very upsetting. But it is what it is. Like I said, I feel like I've recovered pretty well, all things considered. I haven't quite figured out like if your back hurting when you fart is a side effect of a broken back or if that just comes with age. Like the verdict is still out on that. I haven't visited my primary doctor since that accident either. And that, I suppose, comes again with age that, you know, as a stubborn male, you just don't go to the doctor unless you're dying. So far, so good. It's me knocking on some wood there. Haven't had to go to the doctor. But one of my biggest fears about going to the doctor is that I'm, I'm going to, you know, he's going to ask how I am and all this stuff and how the recovery has been and everything. The only thing I want to ask him is, doctor, am I physically cleared to get in a wrestling ring and perform or at least take a bump and a bump in the wrestling industry uh nowadays at least is is totally different than a bump that you would take in the the bathroom of the viper room in the 80s a bump is essentially taking a move taking the brunt of a move and that's a legitimate concern i have like i i want to be able to do something like that before i'm you know legitimately shuffled off this mortal coil like i'm i'm done i'm i'm gone i'm dead i want to be in a ring and take some sort of physical impact. Now, it may not be being driven through a table, as I previously had hoped I would be able to do one day, but, uh, you know, maybe just, just taking a super kick or something and falling down. I don't know. But I'm kind of embarrassed that that's the only question I really want to ask my primary doctor. Look, Ric Flair, one of the greatest of all time, survived a plane crash. He had a broken back because of it. He went on to wrestle, you know, well past the age, which he, he should have been competing Regardless of the injury, he wrestled till he was like in his 60s, I think. So I'm only 30. So I, I like to think if I can muster up the courage to ask permission from my doctor that the uh, you know, odds are good that I've still got plenty left in the tank. I can still I can still go, as they say in the business. I don't know. It's constantly in the back of my mind. You know, we got we got the big man country mania wrestling event coming up in September in Keokuk. I'd like to get involved in that, you know, so uh, there's going to come a point where I guess I'm going to either maybe go against the wishes of my primary care physician and just do it or go ask permission to make sure that I'm not going to be, you know, paralyzed from falling down on my back with, you know, moderate force. 
regardless, though, in, in all seriousness, I'm still very, very glad to be here. And I'm still very glad to be able to, you know, get around. I'm, I'm still very glad to be able bodied. Uh, you know, that whole situation could have turned out far worse, a lot different, a lot more drastic with with a simple footstep or me being stubborn enough to try to stand up and crawl out of that creek could have been a way different story. Lot of great people, lots and lots and lots of great people took care of me that day and uh, in the months that that would follow. And you all know who you are if you're listening. And I thank each and every day, every one of you that that I'm still around because, it, it, like I said, could have been a lot different had it not been for all the people that helped me along the way. Now, Myla Saber, on the other hand, well, I'll never fully get over the the loss of that beautiful stallion. Sure, you know, I went out and bought another 2004 Lesaber, pretty much the exact same car in a different color. A few weeks later, as I was able to kind of get out and get around and, you know, look like Batman on my back brace because I couldn't really turn without using my entire torso. It's kind of embarrassing, uncomfortable more than anything. So, yeah, I went out and replaced it with essentially the same car in a different color, but it's never it's just never been uh, nor will it ever be the same for some reason. There was something about that white 2004 LeSabre that just it was just broken in just right. It had 70-some thousand miles on it, so it was just, it was a spring chicken. It was a baby. Had all the life in the world left in it. Now, my current LeSabre, I believe, is pushing somewhere in the ballpark of 150K, 150,000 miles. But you know something, people? It still runs like it's got 50,000 on it. That is the beauty of one of America's greatest motor vehicles, one of America's greatest powerhouse machines, the full-size luxury sedan Buick LeSabre. That is just unbelievable. Full-sized ride. Like you're driving on a cloud, 30 miles per gallon on the highway. Find me a better used car for under five grand. I dare you. That's got all those amenities, that luxurious comfort, and the style to boot. Handsome looking automobile. Not your typical looking grocery getter, folks. The GD Buick LeSabre. Now, the great thing about this week's episode is that I didn't need a motor vehicle. I didn't need the help of a LeSabre to get uh, to get to. And conduct the interview. Now, granted that I, I don't typically have to travel anywhere to do these interviews, thanks to the internet, right? But it was especially good in this case that I didn't have to drive to this interview this week because the United Kingdom would be a pretty heavy haul for that old Buick. Now, if I were to buy a new General Motors vehicle, some of these actually have internet in them, but I'm not to that point yet. I don't have that disposable income where I'm going to buy a $50,000 vehicle just so I can get on the internet inside of it. But I could have done it, probably, pretty feasibly, had I done so. And I bought one of those. But anyway, yes, the beauty of the internet, we can connect with people all around the world with relative ease. And such is the case with my guest today, a London resident by way of the greater Chicago area, Mr. J.P. Zarka. Now, you may have heard that name mentioned a few times here on the Bocephus broadcast. J.P. is a guy that's uh, really living out a dream of a lot of wrestling fans such as myself. And sometimes I get frustrated seeing guys like Sam Roberts, who's on all the WWE kickoff shows, uh, Conrad Thompson, who is uh, just a fantastic podcaster, who has worked with guys like Tony Schiavone and uh, Bruce Pritchard, Eric Bischoff, all the big names in wrestling. He's like personal friends with Ric Flair. And JP and I kind of touch on this. We'll, we'll get to this in the interview. But these blue collar guys, just like you and I, that are wrestling fans as well, that have made careers or have gotten their foots in the door and have somehow become affiliated with these wrestling organizations just by being a fan and having a little bit of know-how. And that is the lifestyle that JP is now living. He's living out a dream a lot of wrestling fans would want to. And he did that with a little hard work and elbow grease when he started the website ProWrestlingStories.com. 
Com. A few short years ago, as a matter of fact, it's pretty self-explanatory based on the name. But um, for those of you playing along at home, the site is uh, dedicated to telling just a lot of great behind-the-scenes stories that played out largely during the glory days of professional wrestling. Now, there are some more recent stories as well, but, you know, the debauchery that was happening in the 70s and the 80s, kind of during the prime glory days of wrestling, the heyday uh, that a lot of people just look on with great fondness. You know, when they didn't have all these behind-the-scenes accounts, they didn't have these documentary film crews following everyone around. You're talking these, you know, first-hand told stories that are passed down generation to generation. All these interesting things that went on. You know, the drugs and the alcohol and the, the pranks, which uh, we also touched on. Many of the pranks involved pooping in bags or just poop in general for some reason. But everything like that and, and, and everything in between. So if you're a professional wrestling fan, and, and I don't even think you need to be a huge professional wrestling fan to enjoy, if you know some of the central figures of these eras, and, and these are usually large names that the, the stories are based upon as well, it's interesting, it's entertaining, and it might actually make you a little bit more nostalgic for watching professional, it might get you back into professional wrestling, I don't know, uh, but it's fascinating, it's a very fascinating look behind the scenes, they're well written, they're well researched. But there's something for everybody. You're, you're either going to laugh or you're going to be shocked or you're going to be surprised. Then this site has become a juggernaut since its inception. Like we're talking it's featured regularly in my Bleacher Report feed, which I think says a lot. You know, Bleacher Report pulls from all over the web as far as wrestling stories are concerned or sports stories in general. So, you know, every time I'm scrolling through the, the Bleacher Report WWE feed, there's pro wrestling stories. There's JP's name, you know, popping up, you know, every every three stories or something. So this guy has accomplished a lot just by being a self-starter. Now, he also put in a lot of time on the Genius Cast with Lanny Poffo, which was a podcast that, you know, very similar to Pro Wrestling Stories, offered a lot of really great behind-the-scenes stories, interviews with some of the most central figures of professional wrestling history, and a lot of memories of the macho man, Randy Savage, who was Lanny Poffo's brother. So naturally, I met JP through Lanny, and we've kept in, in fairly regular contact, I'd say, Ever since now, the guys enlisted me to record the intro and the outro for the Genius Cast, which was a huge, massive honor. And throughout the course of the show, JP asked me to, uh, you know, help clean up some audio from Fred Ottman, who you may remember as Tugboat or the ill-fated Shockmaster gimmick from WCW, which is a, a joking point for me more often than not, usually. But I think one of the most special things that that I ever got to do, and something that I will always remember and always cherish is the, the opportunity, thanks to JP and Lanny, to work on some audio not that long ago from the late, great, mean Gene Okerlund himself. That audio was eventually incorporated into the intro of the show toward the end of its run. But that, what, how, how does a guy like me get to work on audio that was recorded by mean Gene Okerlund, you know? So just a lot of really cool things that I got to do thanks to getting connected with with Lanny and then JP uh, and then just, you know, being available to, to kind of help them out and, you know, give JP some tips when he needed them, stuff like that. that. That's just that. That is really cool to me. You know, that somebody would come to me and say, well, can you help me do this and help me, you know, kind of tweak this and make this sound better? That's that's awesome. That's really, as I get older, all I want out of life. So for sure, really just very grateful to have been connected with JP and given the opportunities that. Uh, that he's given me. And like me, of course, he's bald by choice. He's migrated all of his hair down to his face, which is something I only regret not doing sooner. Uh, so not only in looks, but in a bevy of other ways, actually, including uh, appreciation of great music, wrestling. I'm, I'm pretty sure that JP and I have been separated at birth. 
That remains to be seen pending a DNA test. We're actually, uh, JP and I are going halvesies on a 23andMe kit here uh, in the next month or so. So we'll, we'll keep you posted on that. Regardless, a super great conversation that uh, JP and I had earlier this week. Excited for you to hear it next. It's my conversation with the mastermind behind ProWrestlingStories.com and one half of the Genius Cast with Lanny Poffo, JP Zarka, coming at you next on the Bo Cephas Broadcast. Hang tight. The Bo Cephas Broadcast. Like they say, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Consider that. Before you drive your favorite car down to trade it in for less of everything. Because in a Buick LeSabre, you can get what you didn't want to give up in the first place. A roomy, comfortable new LeSabre offers mileage real close to some smaller cars. And it's priced about the same, too. You know, sometimes you're lucky enough to know what you got. Why, you can still get it. The V6 LeSabre. Get it at your Buick dealer now. Now, back to the Bo Cephas Broadcast. My guest today, the first of 2019, actually. It's a chance for me to knock off some rust, some some much-gathered rust. The uh, founder of the popular website ProWrestlingStories.com and one of the co-hosts of the Genius Cast with our good friend Lanny Poffo. It's a pleasure to welcome to the program a guy that uh, I feel like I've known for a good while, but but have never once in my entire life met Mr. J.P. Zarka. Good to have you here, man. Good to finally talk to you, too. It's good to talk to you as well, and it's a pleasure to be your first guest of 2019. Well, the honor is all mine. Now, I've never asked you this, but I, you know, in our conversations, I learned that you, uh, much like me, I guess I don't really hail from Illinois, but I live in Illinois currently. You did as well. Lanny is uh, from Illinois. So now you're in the UK. So what brought you to the UK and how long have you been there? I've been out here since 2008. I'm originally from the northwest suburbs of Chicago, Palatine to be exact. And when I started teaching, I started looking abroad. I, I got bit by the travel bug after I finished school over at DePaul University in Chicago. And I met my now wife in Costa Rica, of all places. And wow. uh, yeah, she was living in Hamburg at the time, Hamburg, Germany. And so I looked for a couple places out in Europe to teach. And I settled on a school just outside of London in a town called Harrow back in September 2008. It was originally just supposed to be a two-year visa type thing. And I fell in love with it out here. In fact, it's become home. You know, it actually feels more like home than Chicago, believe it or not. And we've been here for 10 years and, you know, we love it. So is your wife, is she from the U.S. as well or is she from Costa Rica? She's German. So, uh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, she was with her friend traveling. They were backpacking. I was with my buddy Pat. And, uh, yeah, we just kept bumping into these two German girls as we were out there. <laughs> you know, we, we hit it off. It, it took about eight beers for me to work the courage to kiss her on that very last day. <laughs> <laughs> we, we kept in touch uh, through the next couple months. I quit my job. Um, I was a camp counselor and I was helping run an after school program at the time. And I just walked in and said, I'm going to do some traveling. And first stop was Hamburg, Germany. And after that, it was, you know, it was in the books, you know, and I got my job out here and so I moved out here September 2008, and she moved in with me November. And it was about uh, two years later we got engaged, and gosh, six years after that our daughter came, and there we go. That's awesome. That is really awesome. So throughout the last year or so, I've learned enough about you to know that that you and I are very similar in a lot of ways. We share a lot of similar interests and passions, uh, obviously both podcasters. We dabble in music. We like to write. We both share a, a love of professional wrestling. And they've all, for the most part, 
you know, maybe outside of uh, the musician part, become kind of a career for you, a secondary career. So let's start with this. What is your first great memory of professional wrestling? What got you hooked? Is there any specific, um, you know, match or pay-per-view or live event that you attended that, that really just kind of hooked you in? Well, I'd say it was probably when I was about five years old. My mom was a flight attendant. So we used to have uh, babysitters who would keep us in for three days. So she'd be gone three days out of the seven. And it was this older woman, very sweet lady, but uh, her husband was a huge wrestling fan and he had all these VHS tapes. And it was just after, I believe, uh, WrestleMania three was Hogan versus Andre. Yeah. We had walked into the, this little dingy den where it was kind of like his man's room, you know, her husband. Mm-hmm. We weren't allowed in there. And uh, he was watching it and he's like, come on, watch this with me. And oh, my God, <laughs> and she had told my mom that we had watched these tapes and she wanted to make sure that we had her permission. And, you know, my mom was like, oh, I don't know. I don't want them to be violent. <laughs> you know, of course, it made us want to watch it more. Right. And, you know, what she realize wrestling is actually pretty fun you know and it's a good escape and you know we weren't beating each other up or anything so absolutely yeah yeah i just got hooked and you know from there i really started watching a lot like every week from 93 and that's you know during the days of the new generation era right like one two three kid yoko zuna you know owen hart and brett were having their feud in fact at the united center one of the first uh big events there was i, th- I believe it was SummerSlam 94 which was undertaker versus undertaker and then owen and brett versus each other in the cage and i wanted so badly to go to that i was like 11 at the time of course my mom said no but that was probably the peak of my fanhood <laughs> and uh probably like a lot of people i i would dip in and out and you know, I, I would just kind of read online. Raja.com was like my go-to just to kind of see what was going on with uh, mm-hmm. the storylines and stuff. But uh, I'd say back in like 2013, I just so happened to catch a pay-per-view with some friends. And it was uh, Daniel Bryan versus um, it was a John Cena at SummerSlam. And he won. And I was like, oh, my God, this is this is great. And I just got sucked right into it. And, you know, from there, I've, I've been just a habitual watcher and got sucked right in. You know, of course, uh, from that reading autobiographies and, you know, re- listening to those shoot interviews on, on YouTube and such. And very interesting. I think so. And I think we all have kind of gone through that that phase where we're really into it at a certain age from a certain amount of time. And then we just kind of fall out of it for, you know, five or six years and then kind of pick it back up. That's the exact same path that my, you know, I guess rekindled romance or, or passion for professional wrestling is, has come from everybody kind of goes through that lull, but um, you obviously as an educator, I'm sure writing was, you know, always something you enjoyed from an early age. Uh, you know, was that something that you did start at an early age or was this something you discovered a knack for later on in life? I always loved writing. Uh, even when I was like, even when I was like 10, you know, I wasn't that good at it at the time, but, uh, you know, with music, you're a musician yourself. I've been writing music since probably 14 years old. And then, uh, when we started traveling, when I started traveling at the age of like what, 22 or something, my goal was to kind of have a journal everywhere I went. So when we, mm-hmm. when I was in Costa Rica every single day, you know, at night I had a pad of paper and I was writing down all the experiences and then I was on Facebook writing, you know, typing it up real nice. And in fact, I've got like a, a third journal of me meeting my wife and, and all those experiences by doing this. And uh, it was um, just this love for writing that got me on a Saturday morning 
writing about this story I heard from Brett's book of the ultimate warrior having a make a wish kid who was, um, he's on his dying days. You know, he was in the back, he was trying to meet the warrior. That was his hero. And he just left, he just kind of like shrugged the family off and that really pissed me off. And so I wrote mm-hmm. a little post about it, put it up on Reddit and squared circle. And, you know, it got voted up to like the top post of the day or whatever. And, you know, from there, I just started every weekend going on to YouTube or reading autobiographies and finding stories and putting together like little write-ups about it. And uh, I had no interest of like doing a website or anything. It was just as a teacher, you know, constantly going, going, going. Saturday morning, my wife liked to sleep in a bit. And that was my time to just kind of do a bit of writing. And one day she's like, you know, you should put these stories into a website and, you know, see what happens from there. Maybe you can reach a different audience. So it did. And that's where pro wrestling stories came around. So it was, it was never, I wasn't like uh, in the business or I didn't have any hookups in the business or anything. It was just something I did that was kind of like an escape from, I guess, the stress from the week. And it just kind yeah. of into what it was. And then I was getting, uh, you know, direct messages on Twitter from Kurt Angle, Savio Vega, Lex Luger reached out to me at one point. Wow. And it was blowing my mind. I was just, this is crazy. <laughs> and so I just kind of taught myself how to interview people. And uh, of course, along with that, how to record and, and then like piece it together into an article. And so I just kind of made it up as I went, really. And I just kind of, I feel like I was faking people. <laughs> you know, I was like <laughs> pretending I know what I'm doing, but I really don't. I was just just making it up as I go. It's just something fun, and I just it just blows my mind that it's become what it has. So now you've got this juggernaut of a website in ProWrestlingStories.com. I mean, you mentioned that that wrestlers were reaching out to you. Did they ever offer up stories that you hadn't previously heard? What was the I mean, what was the reaction from some of these people that either you were telling their stories or they were reading stories of things that they, you know, were kind of on the fringe of at the time? I got nothing but positive uh, feedback from the people like Kevin Von Erich actually reached out to me one time and uh, it, he was talking about his his family's visit out in Israel. And about a year or two ago, there was like a post on Reddit about a guy who was in a mall and he came across uh, one of the Von Erich belts in Israel of all places. And wow. people were wondering, you know, why is this belt here? You know, why is there history of particularly the, the Von Erich family out there and he told me the whole story and he says, you can use this for your website. It'd be great. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> and then I, I put the piece together and he made a few corrections and he's just like, you and your family are always welcome to come stay with us in Hawaii. We could do squid fishing. <laughs> and I was like, what? That's amazing. <laughs> so how many of these, I, I mean, have you, have you ever put any stories out there that, that, you know, maybe were disputed and how many of these are like corroborated? Like, you know, you have people that are involved say, yeah, that, that totally happened. That's, you know, that's not BS. Um, I don't really, not often do I get the people that I'm writing about reaching out. I try not to tag them. I Mm -hmm. I learned early on that, you know, some of the, you know, some like we did one post where, um, it was about Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin and their build up to their WrestleMania match. And, how uh, we didn't know whether or not Michaels or uh, Austin was talking about on his podcast, how he didn't realize or know if he was going to go and do the job. And then of course there's the story of Taker taping up his fists and he was, you know, and he was going to go right up to Sean and make sure he did. 
And, you know, I put all this into the story and I, I had tagged Sean in and he had said a quote, something about he was, um, I think he's called himself a douchebag or something like this. <laughs> and so I used that quote. And of course he had said something about the site and then he blocked me. <laughs> and I was oh. like, so I, from there on, I've just stopped tagging people, you know, just in case, cause you know, words, even if it's their own words, sure. Yeah. It's construed and then, you know, backfire. And I didn't want, I don't want to have like negative, uh, you know, attention on the site or on the stories and stuff. So if, if they come across it, I know there's a bunch of guys in WWE who read the site. Uh, a lot of the referees write to me privately and, you know, they'll just say great job or whatever, but I just keep it cordial, you know, and just thank you. That means a lot, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And so, you know, then of course, like later on, you don't realize your reach. And then, uh, skipping ahead, we'll, we'll talk about how we got the podcast going, but it was, uh, a lot of, people like even like X-Pac and um, gosh, who else? A few others, Kevin Nash and them, they had listened to the podcast, which blew my mind. You know, here are these guys yeah. that were my heroes, you know, growing up and they listened to my voice every week, which is just crazy. No kidding. So obviously we had the podcast and like you said, we'll get to that in just a second, but was it surreal yeah. to have, you know, like a, a media giant like ESPN who commented about the site uh, they said it's, it's quote, a great website full of behind the scenes anecdotes and a good way to lose 30 minutes of your life. Was that just, I mean, obviously you've got all these wrestlers that are coming to you and commenting on, you know, what a great job you're doing and you have ESPN, a media giant that, that, you know, really backs that up too. That's just had to be a whirlwind of, of uh, super cool emotion for you. I was like a little kid in the candy store. And uh, <laughs> you know, it, actually that wasn't ESPN. That was sports illustrated and gotcha. Okay. I re they do like this extra mustard. Uh, it's like a daily thing. I think it's geared more towards like the guys, you know, on their commute. Cause it's got the, you know, bikini clad women and, uh, you know, <laughs> sports stories of the day, little snapshots of little things to get you going before you get to work. And yeah. they had a little quote from the rock. And then speaking of pro wrestling, if you're into pro wrestling, check out this site. It's a great way to lose 30 minutes of your life, blah, blah, blah. I was like, wow. And it was like the fourth day that the site was live. So we started, wow. I, I use the word we, but um, it's it's just me who's doing the site. And it was May 16th was when the site started in 2015. And it was like May 20th or the 21st where Sports Illustrated put that up. And wow. so I was, I was tracking on Google Analytics, uh, which was, I was only getting a, you know, a couple hundred views the first few days. And then it shot up. I had like 300 people on my side on one time. I was like, what's going on here? This is crazy. <laughs> and then Jim Ross, had, Jim Ross had shared his story out as well about Owen Hart. It was uh, one of these pieces where Owen had put donut powder on his uh, underneath his nose. And he was running around <laughs> in the back real hyper. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Jim Ross loved that story and he shared it out. And that was his way of uh, promoting an episode of his podcast with Bret Hart that was coming up. And so I loved how my site just kind of got lumped in there, this article to promote his show. So that was another, like, that was like the weekend. And then it just kind of carried on from there, the momentum, which is great. If there's one thing I've learned from visiting the site, it's that a Owen Hart was probably one of the biggest pranksters in the history of professional wrestling. And two, <laughs> there's yeah. so many poop stories, so many poop pranks that happen. A lot of pooping, a lot of fart <laughs> stories as well. I've got an article just about farting in the ring. <laughs> it's one of the most read articles on the site. But yeah, no no, there's, def 
you put, you put a lot of uh, people on the road together away from their families and, you know, you get a lot of uh, silly pranks and, you know, little things happening just to keep the guys and, and girls smiling when they're, you know, when they're away for so long. It's great. And I think a lot of the time, what I've come to realize with, with the site and, you know, with reading these books and listening to interviews and talking to the guys and such is that the things that were happening, be it, once those cameras stopped rolling, was a lot more interesting than what's happening on the screen. And so the more you dive in, and you know, you could tell people who aren't fans, yeah, you know, I quit teaching to focus on this website about wrestling. And they're like, well, oh, really? <laughs> and they give you that look like <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> yeah. But they are you insane? Act. Exactly. But the stories are amazing. They're hilarious. And you just get immersed into this, this world that, you know, our, our heroes were living. And, you know, it's nowadays we can peel back those curtains and, you know, see what life was like on the road. But, you know, just about 20, 25 years ago, you couldn't. And so I think the website's doing a good job of just showing the fans of it. It's humanizing these, these people that mm-hmm. really looked up to. And that really kind of became the foundation for the Genius Cast. So let's talk about that. Tell me how you got to know Lenny Poffo. Well, one of my writers is the associate producer for the movie uh, The Wrestler, mm-hmm. Evan Ginsberg. And we had met about a year and a half ago. And he, he's wonderful. He's one of the nicest people I've ever met. He writes for the site weekly and... Uh, he was promoting a new movie that came out last July. It was just a one-day-only event. It was 350 days. And uh, this documentary had over 90 wrestlers interviewed for it. And it's just wow. all about the realities of being on the road, being away from the families. And, of course, a lot of times, like in the 70s and 80s, um, they were on the road up to 350 days a year, which is absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so he was doing this uh, red carpet event in, uh, it was off Broadway in New York City, and I'd never been to New York before. And he invited me out, and I didn't think I'd be able to go because it was still in the school year. But my, uh, my head teacher, the principal, said, yeah, you got to go. This is your next, this is what you're going to be doing. And in two weeks' time, when you're done teaching, this is, is going to be your life, so go. And so I went. I met Greg the Hammer Valentine, Tito Santana, and... Uh, you know, we did all this. In fact, we went. I went over to uh, Evan's house the day after the uh, premiere, and there's Greg the Hammer sitting there on his couch drinking his wife, uh, drinking Evan's wife's coffee in his underwear, <laughs> and we're just, <laughs> just having a normal conversation. And I'm just like, Jesus, this is crazy. I used to watch him on my screen, and then yeah, um, the following day, I was just walking around Manhattan while my my buddy was at work. I was staying with my friend Pat at the time. And I just so happened to come across, uh, it said that the sign said massage $60 or whatever. So like, I'll, I'll have one of those. <laughs> so I got a massage <laughs> and I got out and I, on my phone, Evan says, I'm with Lanny Poffo. He wants to meet you. Come meet up with us in, in Queens, which is a good track from where I was in Manhattan. But I was like, yeah, I'm not going to pass this up. So I just sure. went up, I just met up with them. They were at a cafe and, uh, as I'm walking in, it was really hot. It was, it was a really sweltering day. And I just had this massage. So I'm like walking on air. I'm feeling great about life. And <laughs> there's Lanny with his, he's got these like sandals uh, where, you know, it's, it's like flip-flops type deal. And he's got his jeans and t-shirt, which is like his go-to attire. Mm-hmm. And he stands up, shakes my hand. He's like, so did you get a happy ending? 
<laughs> that, that was the first thing he ever said to me. And I started cracking up and I was nervous, of course, because, you know, I was a fan of the genius. I was a huge fan of his brother. I had tons of VHS tapes of Macho Man, you know what I mean? And just to be able to just sit there and talk with him and just laugh. And, you know, we walked around and we were um, in Forest Hills, which is a really lovely part of uh, New York where you've got these really expensive houses. We were walking around this neighborhood and there was a church. And Lanny's like, well, that looks like a lovely place. Uh, I, I, I know I'm going to be going to hell because that car almost just hit me as I'm walking <laughs> up to read this time. <laughs> And it turns out to be like a church of Scientology. So then we're like, oh, even better. <laughs> you know? and so we were, we were just having a laugh and we got along. And of course, I got back to London a few days later and he reached out to me on Facebook and he just was, you know, he'd give me a call. Like we talked on the phone about three times just to see how we were doing, and which I thought it blew my mind. I'm like friends with Lanny Paso now. Yeah. And um, yeah. I had this image in my head, especially after leaving teaching to do a podcast. That was always one of my dreams to just give it a go. You know, I love interviewing people. I love the stories. I could be a bit personable. I, I was a bit shy in the beginning when I first started the show, but um, I just asked him, I said, Hey, would you be interested in doing a podcast with me? And he's like, the first thing he says, is there any money in it? <laughs> I, like, I think so. I, you know, I know that I, I, I was telling him about like Conrad Thompson and yeah. you know, a lot of the, uh, the, you know, the top hitting wrestling podcasts are doing just fine. I'm sure it's changed their lives, you know? And, uh, I was like, well, I'll do my best. And he's like, are you good with the technology? And I was like, yeah, I can handle all that. He's like, cause I don't know what I'm doing. I was like, no problem. He's like, well, let's do it. I've turned a lot of people down. Let's do this. Cause you and I, we have a chemistry. And so <laughs> we did it from there. Um, the all in thing happened September 1st in Chicago which was just uh, two towns over from where I'm from in Hoffman Estates and uh, yeah. Yeah, all those stories to share early on in the show. And then we were, you know, we were breaking into the top 20 for the first couple of weeks with our podcast and it was really amazing. And so it all just kind of kicked off from there. Yeah. You really just, you came out of the gate swinging and, and somebody who's got the credibility of Lanny, who has, you know, accomplished a lot in the ring. He's got the, you know, the connection to his brother who is arguably one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. It just, kind of all fell into place it seemed like at the right place right time yeah it all felt like fate really i mean I, I i use that word to describe how i met my wife you know i just kept bumping into her and you know how did i randomly meet a german and now i'm married with her with, <laughs> with child in london and you know and, and this thing with with lanny we just bumped into each other and became friends and started doing this thing and i always had this image of i'm going to do a podcast with the wrestler and you know what better than with someone like Lanny, who's so well-spoken, mm -hmm. who's got a hundred stories to share, the brother of one of the greatest wrestlers ever. And, you know, it was, it was a dream come true. And, you know, we had a lot of fun with it. We did it for 20 weeks and he was getting pretty full up with his travel. So like he went to Japan about four or five weeks into us starting the show. Mm -hmm. So he ended up recording like five weeks of episodes in, in a week just so that we had them there. And when he's in Japan, we don't have to get him on the phone to do anything. Sure. You know I mean, so we just did it all. We just banged them all out. And, uh, which was good, but you know, of course that was taking a lot of time away from him. And for me, as you know, as I mentioned earlier, I was just kind of making it up as I go. I was teaching myself how to record, how to edit, you know, just little things like a background 
air conditioning fan, you know, that's buzzing throughout the recording. <laughs> How do I remove that sound? It's right. very annoying. I'm on YouTube for like three, four hours just trying to figure that out, you know, and so <laughs> things like Photoshopping an episode logo, you sure. know, things, this takes forever. I thought it was going to be a lot easier, but no, I was, I was probably taking a good 20, 25 hours a week for the research, the, the recording, and then doing the social medias and everything. That, that was me. And then just about four weeks in, you reached out to us and you had done an interview with Lanny. Now, how did you meet Lanny? He said that you guys had met in person at some point. Yeah, so I met Lanny, uh, it would have been almost a year ago. Lanny came to Keokuk for my buddy Corey's birthday. Uh, Corey is, you know, another guy that's just insane about wrestling, loves wrestling. uh, And he's like, you know what? I want to bring in a wrestler for my birthday. And Corey is lucky enough that, you know, he can pay for a wrestler to come celebrate his birthday with him, which is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. So I went and, you know, met Lanny. I had, you know, Randy's ring on, which was one of the coolest moments for me. Um, I actually had to miss going to pick Lanny up at the airport, uh, because I had a, a family get together and, uh, I told Casey and Corey who went to pick him up. I was like, Oh, I gotta, you know, take, take rolls to uh, my family for the family dinner. So Lanny cuts a promo on me in the car. I get a, I get a, a text message from Corey and Casey and Lanny's cutting a promo on me in the car about how he's, you know, offended and upset that I chose uh, roles over picking up Lanny Poffo at the airport. So better than me. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So, uh, that was, yeah, that was it. I, I kind of, Corey stays in touch with Lanny regularly and, and a lot of these guys, uh, he talks to barbarian like weekly, um, Barbarian will just shoot him a text message like, "Hey Corey, how you doing? How's how's everything going?" It's just it's it's like you said, it's surreal to be, you know, not not me personally, but you know, Corey, who I talk to every day, is uh, constantly just talking to these guys. It's just it's it's strange, it's surreal, but it's super cool at the same time. It's like this world I never even knew existed. Where yeah, it's, um, it's an alternate reality almost. It really is, and it's just like there are fans out there who've got a bit of money and good for them worked hard for it and then they're incorporating their their heroes into their lives like oh you know what i'm going to invite this person over because i have the means to do so and they became friends you know that's how uh i believe conrad thompson got to know rick flair him and his buddies were just like wait i got a bit of money let's have rick flair over rather than you know read these books or listen to these interviews let's have him over we could pick his brain and you know that's how that all happened and so it's just this world you don't even know is out there and you can really meet a lot of people this way and that's that's great he lanny always had good things to say about you and it always makes me laugh when he's doing these public appearances and when he was promoting our shows he was always wearing the bocephus broadcast <laughs> podcast t-shirt which is great and i think it's a good nod because you were a big part of our show too well, and I'm, I'm certainly appreciative of that, you know, and, and it's we talk about guys like Conrad Thompson, you know, he's the type of guy and his success story is relative to guys like us, blue collar guys that are just fans that, you know, are trying to do something and it works out. Now you look at Conrad, he's got, you know, two or three different podcasts with uh, really central figures in, in the prime eras of wrestling. He's working with AEW. He's just, again, another blue collar guy that that wanted to try something and it worked it just right place right time everything fell into place absolutely man that's that's absolutely right and it's it's he's been a huge hero of mine i mean he's lovely as well he follows my site and we've we've talked a bit uh, through direct messaging and stuff and you know i always kind of i i looked at what he was able to accomplish and i was like you know what he can do it i can do it too 
And I was right. like, what? So the way that he dives into his research and um, tries to talk about things that's not usually mentioned in interviews. That's why I always loved his shows. And I was like, I'm going to do the same with Lanny. I'm going to dive in and ask him questions and when we get guests on our show. Of course, you know, time to do the research takes hours. I mean, yeah. um, I, we, I had helped out with uh, something to wrestle's episode on gold dust and the research came out to be about 32 pages long. Wow. It's nuts. And, and when you listen to the show, the one that they did on gold dust with um, Bruce Pritchard, he only used a couple bits from our research. So you have to understand like this guy's got pages upon pages of yeah. in front of him as he's recording. And that aspect, I don't miss, <laughs> you know, when you, when you're preparing for the shows and stuff, Oh like, yeah. when I was, you know, doing the show with Lanny, we got, I, I think I got out to about 12 pages, you know, on some episodes like the Andre, the giant episode or Mr. Perfect and things like mm -hmm. this. Cause you got to throw in, you know, beginning, middle and end. And then of course, have little bits where Lanny can chime in with his own stories and stuff. Um, but you know, then you can use those pieces. And of course those little write-ups, my own notes, then I would put those into articles for the site. So it was like two birds, one stone, but I uh, know I got a lot of respect for people like Conrad and uh, people who are out there just doing it. And not only just putting out 110% of their energies, but also working full-time jobs on the side. Yeah. And, no kidding. Know, that's incredible. That, that's the, because I was, I'm now self-employed and working from home, I had the time to do that. I just couldn't imagine also teaching and that doing the yeah. website, doing the podcast, plus being a father. I yeah, dropped. no kidding. <laughs> I think that's, you know, that's the biggest preconceived notion about doing this, you know, doing a podcast or in your case, doing a podcast and maintaining a website People don't realize the amount of work that goes into that, the amount of, in your case, research on both ends, um, but just the prep work, the editing, the recording, the scheduling, all that stuff. You know, I had somebody like, well, why don't you release like two or three times a week? I said, if you want to, you know, uh, come help me do that, you're more than welcome to. So right. it's just, it's a, it's a matter of, you know, for me, it's always been a passion project. You get out of it what you put into it. Um, and when it becomes, you know, when it starts to feel like work, that's when I no longer want to do it. Um you know, so it's just, it's, it's one of those things. People ask me sometimes, you know, I'll get messages, Hey, I want to start a podcast. What, what do I need to do? And, and what goes into it? And what I tell them, you know, what all just, I do, I can't imagine what, you know, all you do, but when I tell them what I do to prep for a show and put it together, they, they just, their, their eyes kind of glaze over <laughs> and they're just yeah. like, Oh, that's right. I mean, I was, um, I mean, the fact that I'm even being interviewed by you, by the way, and being interviewed to talk on podcasts just blows my mind. You know, I feel like <laughs> I feel like nobody. But I was talking to a guy um, a few weeks back for his podcast. I think it's going to drop next week. I'll I'll plug it on my my socials uh, at JP yeah. Zarka. Um, but he's just like, you know, I I, I really want to do. I want this podcast to grow and this to be my full time job. And I said, well. Um, let me put it this way. <laughs> Don't do it. You know, you're not going <laughs> yeah. to get rich doing this. I mean, you might get some good advertising here and there and maybe you'll join a podcast network and then, mm -hmm. you know, things like this, but you're not going to get rich off it unless you're in the top 5%, you know, right. you're, you're, you're breaking 25,000 listens a week. You know, only then will you be making enough money to really be getting back for the hours going in. Like I said, 25 hours a week, sometimes 30 uh, a lot of evenings were going into uh the podcast 
you know, while I could have been playing with my daughter or while I could sure. have been helping out with my wife around the house. And it started to feel a bit more like a chore. And um, I was having fun with it a lot and, and Lanny as well. But he was almost like a father figure in the sense he's like, you have to worry about the two women in your life. <laughs> you know, they come first. And he's and because I left teaching, he, he keeps thinking I'm strapped for money. I'm, I'm doing okay. I've never been broke since I've left. But he's like, you got to go back to teaching. That's so important. And, and I was like, thanks, Lanny. And of course, when, it, when we got up to that 20th episode and him and I were talking, we both were kind of at the point where he's got a lot of appearances going up north to Canada to do this documentary. And he's doing a lot of travels. And um, I, I started to be working as hard as I was when I was doing the site, as well as I was an assistant principal when, my last year of teaching. So I was constantly working. And it was a lot of stress. You know, I, I would even say, you know, when you think about your your day to day and you put it on a ranking of one to ten, I'd say last year, like my highs were about a four, you know, just yeah. because you're constantly going and you don't really get that chance to just kick your feet up. And, you know, I used to write songs all the time, just pick up the guitar and play and record. And I hadn't done that for years. You know, that right there is a sign that, well, you got to kind of step back and, you know, I was very lucky that the website was pulling in enough money. I mean, it was matching my earnings of being an assistant principal. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to cut teaching out for now, see how life goes. And, you know, my life is just turned around like drastically. Like I'm happy all the time. I'm not stressed out. I'm not worrying about behavior and lesson planning and marking uh, 90 books a night. And not only that, dealing with uh, issues with staff. Because you mm -hmm. got them to worry about once you know you become you become an administrator and that was gone and that started that you know I've always loved working with kids but it started to feel like that was bringing me down and then of course with with the website and the podcast and I was now losing time away from you know my wife and stuff and Lanny's like let's let's just hang up the headphones you know we we had a good run and I was just like you know what that's funny I was just gonna say that to you <laughs> and. A lot of people were upset about it. You know, we had a lot of fans reaching sure. out saying, why, why don't you just do it once a month? Or I'm all in or I'm not, you know, I mm -hmm. can't just do it, uh, you know, once a month, once every two months, six months, whatever. Um, you have to be consistent. If you're not dropping a podcast every week, you're going to lose listeners. Uh, you know this. It's, it's all about consistency. You miss one sure. week. You'll have probably a drop in a couple thousand listens, you know, so you just got to keep it going. And, you know, we were very lucky to get, um, we had a couple sponsors. So there were, out of the 20 episodes, we were sponsored for like three of them. And the rest of them is just like those dynamic ads, which are input into the front, middle, and end of a show. Right. And you don't really have any say over them. Yeah. You don't have much say over it. And, you know, that money was going to uh, Kevin, who was doing, who did the the logos for the, the podcast. And, mm -hmm. It went to um, Joe, who was helping me out with the social media, because that started to become taking up a lot that's of time. That's a whole so, other animal. Yeah, that's a oh, completely different so, ballgame. And you're, you're doing it all by yourself, which I was for a while. You start to feel burnt out. So you, you start to give other people a little, who, who want to help? I said, whoever wants to reach out and get involved, let me know. And I was just floored by how many people loved the show and wanted to help out, like, uh, I had Corey Rivard from uh, Canada. He was helping us out with our YouTube channel. That right there is a couple, that's like 20 hours a week. Once you start oh, yeah. splitting the episodes, best clips, 
putting a little visual to go along with it, uploading it. Just all these people, all the money that was made went to them. And then, of course, you know, Lanny and I, we had like, yeah, we had a little bit we kept for ourselves in the end, which paid for like sure. our, our nice microphones. <laughs> and, 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 and the <laughs> that I bought. But ultimately, it wasn't to get rich. I mean, yes, he joked with me, is there a lot of money in this in the beginning? And, but it wasn't about that. It was for him, it was about sharing the stories of his family, putting them out there so that they'll always be there. Mm-hmm. And, it, and these, these stories, the, the episodes will always be there for fans to discover. And for me, it was to just a big old tick off that list of things I always wanted to do. Now I can say I've done it. And now I have no interest to do podcasts anymore unless it's just <laughs> call me up, pick up, I'll pick up the phone and we'll talk, you know, right. That's that I'll do happily. Well, there's <laughs> you know? always that, you know, that old adage of, of going out on top. And I think that's exactly what you guys did. It, it, you know, short, sweet to the point you guys accomplished what you wanted to accomplish and, um, you know, kind of, I was thinking about this earlier, Lanny, he mentioned this to me a couple of times that he's one of the very few of his friends and, and his cohorts from that generation, that era of professional wrestlers who are either still alive and or able-bodied. And, you know, Lanny's is still in great shape and he takes care of himself and there's so much that he still wants to do because he knows of or saw so many um you know, that weren't able to, that weren't able to live out those, those great years. So, I mean, you can't blame the guy, you know, he, much like you said, it it was a a big tick off the the list of things to do. And, and, uh, you know, like I said, I think you guys, you you went out on top. That's right. And you said it, man. Like he, he even told me, he's like, I've lost a lot of friends over the years. He's like, I'm 64. I don't know. Every time I jump in behind the wheel to drive, if it's going to be the last time I'm on the road. And, Um, you know, so he, he's very mindful of, he's got a lot of things he want to accomplish in his, in his own life. I mean, he's a very cultured person. He's got a lot of interests and he, he's, he's earned this time in his life to do whatever the hell he wants and, and not have to have that burden of, Oh, I got to get on the phone with JP for an hour, hour and a half. And I, I have to call up a friend who I haven't talked to in three years, just for the sake of having an episode for the show. You know what I mean? Right. And yeah. He had, he had joked with me. He's like, JP, I'm, I'm running out of friends to call him. And I've got a lot of things I'd like to do with my life. And you've got a lot of things you need to do with your life. You know, let's, let's call it a day. And we still talk, you know, once a week, you know, he'll, he'll pick up the phone. He's like, how do I do this on Facebook? <laughs> so I help, <laughs> I've lost a message. Help me out. You know, and so I've, I'm now his go-to tech guy as well as just someone we just laugh on the phone <laughs> still. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, that story you just told me would have been great for the show. What a shame. You know, there's always these things happening in the back of my mind, like, oh, that would have been great on the show. But right. you know what? I, I have no regrets. It was it was amazing and I got a wonderful friend out of it. So what's next for you? Obviously, Pro Wrestling Story is still running strong. Have you ever thought about compiling like a book of these stories? Yeah, that's I mean, that's gotta be one of the next things on my list is is yeah. writing writing a book. Um, whether it be my own memoirs for just my daughter, you know, for her to have, uh, sure. But also we are getting close to about 300 articles on the website now. And so many of those things, you just take the best of put it into a book there, that right there is, that's a story. I mean, I don't have to do much. You just have to edit, put it together. So obviously I'd love to do a book, you know, with pro wrestling stories, be the backdrop for it. 
Um, I'd love to get more involved with helping out. Like Evan, he's doing a lot more promotion for 350 days. I help them out with just putting little advertisements up on the website and uh, doing interviews for that. You know, possibly doing uh, live shows, you know, get a couple wrestlers together. Um, I don't know if it's being promoted yet, but Evan's going to be writing Greg the Hammer Valentine's autobiography. And of course, that's awesome. Oh, it's, it, he's got stories to share and that, that <laughs> wonderful. And I mean, to do a live show and get a couple guys together and just travel to a couple places, I'd love to be the one helping out and, you know, doing things like this. So another thing to tick off my list of things to do. That would be incredible. I, I for one would, would be at the nearest venue in which that's happening for sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there, there's a huge audience for it. I mean, I, I've seen a few podcasts live who, who'd have thought, you know, and just hearing the stories in person and laughing and sharing a beer with them afterwards, just, just fantastic. So there is a huge audience for something like that. And I've got time for that now. And, and the best part is, um, I am not stressed out at all in life at the moment. I actually feel a bit underwhelmed that like <laughs> I, I'm not going at 110% and yeah feels great. Like I wrote a song for the first time, like two weeks ago. And, you know, just to be able to do things like this, I'm the type of person who does need to keep going. So I'm going to continually find things to keep me busy. I mean, who knows, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll pop into a school every once in a while to do substitute teaching or whatever, just to get out of the house, you know, things like this. And as you know, when you keep yourself open, opportunities present themselves. Certainly. And, uh, you know, you mentioned music. I think a playlist can can tell you a lot about somebody. So off the top of your head, give me a give me a five song J.P. Zarka mixtape. What songs and artists are on that mix? (laughs) Okay. Um, well, I I have to say I was a huge Oasis fan back in high Mm -hmm. school. Like they were the first band that kind of got me into music. So I'm I'm not going to throw out Wonderwall or songs like this. That actually (laughs) annoys me. Um, look up the song. Let's all make believe. It's a B-side off of the Go Let It Out single, which came out in 2000. It's an absolutely beautiful song. Um, I love the Verve. Um, gosh, what song would I recommend from them? Just off the top of my head, the song History. That's that's a great song. Um, been listening to a lot of, this is going to sound funny, but a bit of Afrobeat music. Now, it's like, there's. I found this, um, it's like 13 minutes on youtube it's they're from chile a bunch of musicians got together and fella kuti was like uh i don't know if he's like a reggae artist or uh, he was doing music back in the day it was all about peace and love and his son got together with these musicians and they did a cover of one of his father's songs check that out I, I play that for all my friends when we get people over and we're having a drink so check that out and uh god coltrane at the moment i've been listening to a lot of jazz and blues and you know, things like this. I'm just this big mix of different genres. And of course, you've got Disney songs with my daughter. So. <laughs> They're inescapable. <laughs> oh, my God. That The one from uh, what's her favorite movie right now? The uh, the one with The Rock when he was. Um, oh, uh, Moana. Mo- that's right. Moana. The, the main song from that. Like my daughter wants to hear that every meal. <laughs> so that's probably like the number one played song on my Spotify right now <laughs> because of her. So, you know, just a random mix like this. I, I love music. It's, it's in my soul, man. It, it's something that like, no matter what you're going through life and, you know, the ups and downs, you know, music is what moves you. You know, you, you can go to a live concert 
it doesn't matter what genre it is and you're going to have an out of body experience. And so that's, that's, that's wonderful. Well, I went, when I was in New York, we went to the, um, the blue note, which is like this renowned jazz club Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, dim lit and, you know, the drinks cost $28. (laughs) (laughs) But I think I'm exaggerating, but it it was more like 12, but the the sandwiches were definitely like $25 and just to be sitting there and, Oh man, I would, that to me is like, I was just telling my wife the other day, I was like, you and I'm going to take you to a jazz bar in London, uh, Ronnie Scott's or something. And we're going to dance. I can't dance, but we're going <laughs> to <do that. laughs> so, You're gonna enjoy the hell out of trying anyway. Oh, absolutely. Just do it. Like nobody's watching. <laughs> <laughs> JP Zarka founder of pro wrestling stories. One half of the genius cast with Lanny Poffo. Where can folks find you and uh, all your projects online? If, if they want to check that out. We'll definitely go to ProWrestlingStories.com, have a read. I like to say it's a good place to uh, waste time while you're sitting on the throne, going to the bathroom, <laughs> you can knock off a good five minutes doing that. Uh, <laughs> you can find my my website's Twitter account at PWS underscore official on Facebook, just at Pro Wrestling Stories. And for me personally, I've got an Instagram account at JP Zarka on Twitter as well. So you can find me there. All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you for your friendship and uh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm beyond appreciative of all your support and Lanny's support in the short time we've known each other and, uh, you know, the ability to, to help you work on the Genius Cast and and uh, offering you support throughout the, the process as well. So big thank you. Big, big thank you. Thank you for loaning your voice to us. You you set tone <laughs> on our show. It used to be me. I try to put on this radio voice that doesn't exist, but the moment we got you on, it felt legit. So I'm, I'm incredibly thankful for everything you've done to help me and Lanny out. Oh, and before I forget, I, I, let, check out YouTube. Just search JP Zarka. You'll find some of my songs there as well, as well as my band, Sterling Avenue. Perfect. Right on, man. JP Zarka, Pro Wrestling Stories, and again, the Genius Cast with Lanny Poffo. Thank you so much for being here, man. I appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's good to talk to you. Let's do this again soon. You're listening to the Bo Cephas Broadcast. Hello, listeners. This is Boyd McKennell with the local Mall Walkers Club. It has been a while, but we are back. With the closing of Sears and Bergner's, the Mall Walking Club is pleased to announce an upcoming partnership with the local parkour club to bring you Senior Parkour Club happening every Thursday evening in the former Sears and Bergner's locations. This gentle approach to the popular parkour fad promises to keep seniors feeling active. For more information, join us in the community room this Wednesday night. There will be light refreshments. What the f*** is parkour? We now return to the Bo Cephas Broadcast. All right, folks, I believe that is going to wrap things up for episode 89 of the Bocephus broadcast. Again, major, major thank you to J.P. Zarka for his time this week. Uh, the, the time difference there is like seven hours, I think, something like that. So it was, I mean, it worked out well on all accounts. So don't forget, check out ProWrestlingStories.com. Follow them on social media and also check out the Genius Cast with Lanny Poffo. Follow them on social media as well. And if you want, I mean, you don't have to, but if you'd like to, you can check me out on social media as well. It's facebook.com slash broadcast. Go follow me on there. Give us a like. You can also follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at BoBCraft is the handle you want to follow. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, 
You can certainly do so a bevy of ways, either the aforementioned uh, social media handles or bocephusbroadcast at gmail.com. If you've got questions, comments, concerns, hate mail, anything of that nature, shoot us an email over there. And of course, the official Bocephus Broadcast hotline available for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's 872-222-8610. That's the number to call. It's powered by Google Voice. A a nice operator lady will uh, have you leave a message and we'll feature your call on an upcoming episode if it's not too derogatory. And of course, if you want to support the show, you can do so by visiting tpublic.com and searching for Bo Cephas Broadcast. You can pick up a wide variety of merchandise, t-shirts, uh, hoodies, all that kind of stuff. We've got some tote bags and stuff in there too, I believe. A lot of different designs, a lot of different styles, colors, fits uh, for men, women, children of all ages, shapes, and sizes. So check that out. Get yourself outfitted with some official Bo Cephas Broadcast merchandise. That's tpublic.com, T-E-E-public.com, and search for Bo Cephas Broadcast. Otherwise, it is a Sunday. It is a pay-per-view night, which means uh, I'm going to be getting some Qdoba here in a, just a matter of a few hours. So I'm really looking forward to that. Other than that, I think I'm going to get out of here and enjoy what's left of this snowy Sunday. I hope you all enjoy your week, and we'll catch you next time right back here for episode 90 of the Bo Cephas Broadcast. Have a great week, everybody. We'll catch you then. You've been listening to the Bo Cephas Broadcast. Infirmary Media.